You ready to get a? Uh... You ready to get this show started? I guess so. All I have notes on is my small talk, so it's gonna be a <laughs> gonna be a good one. <laughs> That's all right. All right. It's no different from any other episode where we just <laughs> it's true <laughs> ramble on about some random thing for forty five minutes. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Retro Time Podcast. I'm Jeremy. I'm Derek. Howdy, Derek. Hey, man. How's it going, dude? It's going good, man. It's going good. It's been a good week. It's been a good week. You know what I realized today, Derek? I was just looking at something, actually. The reason what made me think of this is we were writing a couple of notes before we started talking. I have this notebook, the Captain's Log, from uh, Star Trek, Captain's Log Notebook. And it made me remember something that I, I don't know how I didn't tell you about this before. But do you remember we went to the beach a few weeks, a few months back? We went up to Huron, Ohio, yeah, yeah, up yeah. to Lake Erie. They have, up there, Derek, is the Federation headquarters. And I cannot believe I didn't tell you about this. It's a guy that used what? to be friends with a bunch of the Star Trek writers and stuff. And he's got a nonprofit, and it's called the, the United Federation. I don't no know if it's way. the United Federation of Planets or not. Anyway, they do, like, uh, emergency relief so like when there's a hurricane or a storm they have a couple of vans that, are, that look like they have body wrap to look like s- shuttles from star trek no way. and it's like the united federation and they'll go to you know hand out water or food or something and they're they're a non-profit anyway they have their headquarters up in huron they have a mock uh bridge with no the, the 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 captain's chair from the original series <laughs> and it's got buttons you can press like the sound and stuff and the kids, you know, obviously we had a, had a good time with that. I think the guy that was there was like, get the hell out of my, <laughs> get out, get the hell out of here. But they have all these old toys, dude. They have no, all, no. it's a little gift shop. And all of these Star Trek toys that I had when I was a kid, like the, the Enterprise Bridge, the D, Enterprise D Bridge. Like, remember the little action figures yeah, they had? Dude. And they had, they had the, uh, like little shuttles and all the, the ships and they had the transporter room and stuff with Jordy LaForge in there. Like, dude. I had all these toys, and I was like, man, you know, I don't know where they are now. I, I'm not really sure. They probably got thrown away over the years, but I had all that stuff. It's just so funny. Anyway, I completely forgot to tell you about it, and um, that's that's it. I just I feel like at some point you need to take a trip up to Huron, Ohio, and check this place out. Just to do that, I'll tell the, I'll tell everybody, yeah, we're going to the beach. And we just, <laughs> we just spent the whole week at the, uh, the Star Trek place. You know, I'm not going to lie. Actually, Huron wasn't bad. It was actually a cute little town. But, oh, all right. Uh, you know, it's no Florida, but... Uh, you know, whatever. It was what fun. is? They had they had water and sand, so it's close. Yeah, that's fun. Sorry, I didn't tell you about that. Totally forgot. Oh, hey, you know what? It's all good, baby. It's all good. Yeah, I had a uh, something I want to talk to you about. Actually, I'm doing something Uh-oh. kind of exciting this afternoon. Actually, right after we get off this delightful podcast, I'm taking my daughter to a concert in Columbus. Oh, what show? She wants to see this artist. Artist. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's what we call him, uh, Conan Gray. He's like friends with uh, Olivia Rodrigo, who does who did that all those that songs is. this year. It's all right, dude. We're dads. We're not supposed to know this crap. <laughs> so, I'm gonna be the dad at the concert. Oh, jeez. Um, I'm gonna try to wear like high socks and a, and a hat. Oh, white sneakers. Yeah, like, white sneakers. In. <laughs> tucking my shirt. Yep, yep, yep. Get, I'm gonna see if I can get see if I can, if they have any New Balance on sale on the way there. Oh, that's um, so funny. And uh, yeah, it. so we're gonna do that now. It's gonna be fun. It's in a cool part of Columbus called the Arena District, and there's a bunch okay. of arenas. It's actually an outdoor show. It's beautiful weather. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm actually excited about it for her. Some of the like one of this guy's songs is actually pretty good. So I'll be waiting for that one. But she's super go. pumped about it. So 
That's that's this afternoon. Um, that's awesome. Late. So Amy and I went to this show. Uh, have you ever heard of Passion Pit? Do you know them? I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah, they're like kind of like electronic, dancey type pop stuff. Anyway, uh, we went. This was when we were still living in New Orleans. I was like about five years ago or so. We went to the Passion Pit, and it was one of those theaters down in New Orleans. You know, they have like the the floor is standing room only, but then they have a second and a third balcony. Yeah. And uh, we went. Uh, we were like, we're not standing the whole time. Let's get the balcony seats. So we got the the second balcony, <laughs> and we go, we get in there, and I'm just like, oh my god, it's a ton, it's like a sea of kids. It's just like oh. like thirteen. It was an all ages show, like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. I don't know. They were they were young. They looked young. They might have been older. They just looked really young to me. And Amy's like, well, good thing we good thing we we aren't hanging out down here with these with all these kids. So like, let's go upstairs. And then we go upstairs, dude, and it was all the parents. <laughs> we're like, I'm like, this, these are my people. What's up? But uh, we were probably the one of the youngest people up in the balcony. Everybody up there was like in their 50s. And I guess we were like in our 30s at the time. And it was so funny. I'm like, oh, this is what it's like being a parent taking your kids to shows. I, I, I At least it's, you know, I don't know. What, what was the name of that woman you said you're going to see? Well, it's a guy, actually. A guy Conan was his name? Gray. Conan Gray. Uh, at least it wasn't the Conan Gray show. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that uh, anyway it was fun um i always laugh about that and i, f- I felt old and i'm okay with that i'm sure i had to sit down the whole time i'm sure passion pit and i'm sure conan gray they're all talented young fellas they are so that's nice you know passion pit actually is really good i really dig passion pit but anyway and now it's time for derek's b-ball update <laughs> take it away derek Really quick before we get started, uh, something I haven't done in a while, something our listeners have been just clamoring for, is a basketball update from yours truly. Oh, I can't um, wait. I know, you can't wait. Uh, I told uh, Jeremy earlier in the uh, when we were setting up for the show, Jeremy, I have a basketball update. And he said, great. And the look, <laughs> look on his face was like, I never liked it, I never will, but I can't say no because that's that's the rule. Um, no. Uh, so yeah, I was just, I played, uh, I played with Doug. Doug came by and, um, uh, Doug Poirier, uh, friend oh, of the podcast. Doug. Uh, we got up a couple shots. I did my spin move. Couple, that's it? Just two? Yeah, just a couple shots. Um, <laughs> guys are 40. We're old. So, uh, yeah. So we played a couple games. Uh, my little son came out. He was shooting, um, the Remster. He was shooting, uh, shooting some, shooting some balls. He learned, learned to do his, uh, Bounce pass and chest pass. I'm teaching him. Oh, nice. Okay. He's a sharp little fellow. Anyway, big time. <laughs> well, Derek, I I don't care what you say. I love your your basketball <laughs> updates. So thank you for keeping us all in the loop. You're welcome. Uh, I know everyone. I know everyone here is is uh, on the edge of their seat waiting for another. Episode <laughs> I know every time to hear uh, <laughs> hey. Derek's b ball updates. Everyone out there, you're welcome. What you need is like an intro, you know, like an intro music for this segment. It's like, and hey. now it's time for Derek's b-ball update. Well, maybe, <laughs> away, maybe there will be, maybe there will be, and we'll be listening to this and be like, but there was an intro <laughs> because I'm going to have added it already. We'll see. That's true. Everyone listening to this, you're going to be like confused. Like, like, wait a minute, like there was an it's intro like, from our perspective. Yeah, there's it's all real time. Right. So yep, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yep. You're maybe, living in the future. Yeah. We're in the past. Anyone who thinks we plan any of this in advance. That's not what we do. (laughs) It's not not how we roll. Not not exactly what we do. All right. Speaking of not planning in advance, Derek, what do you want to talk about today? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a lot of things going on in the world. It's true. Ukraine, uh, stock market crashing, recession. But I don't want to talk about any of that. Okay. Okay? Good. Don't get me started on Ukraine. People are leaving companies left and right. 
And that's not always a bad thing. Maybe they're looking for a new career. Maybe they're looking for a new position. Maybe they found a job that's going to pay them better. I ain't here to judge. But those companies are often left high and dry because those people that leave are the lifeblood of the company. They hold a lot of information, a lot of knowledge. So what I wanted to talk to you about today is the inevitability of attrition. It's going to happen. What do we do about it? How do we deal with that risk? Okay. That's what I want to talk about with you. All right. So do you mean from like a a leadership perspective or you're referring to just from, you know, colleague, like my buddy at work quit and now what do I do? Or uh, how do I prepare for the inevitability when my buddies at work quit and I have to take on their job? Well, I think anybody affected by the person leaving Mm -hmm. is is who I'm thinking about. So the leadership, you know, maybe they rely on that person every time the system fails, you know, or Mm -hmm. breaks or an error occurs. They just call, you know, Tim Bone. We're going to call him Tim Bone. (laughs) You're going to call a little Tim Bone. And then he's going to be like, yeah, what do you want? And then like, well, it's down again. Um, He's like, "Uh, what day is it? And he's like, it's Tuesday. That's when I have. That's when I have Betty run. He names all of his uh, his scheduled jobs after girls he's dated. That's oh, when okay. Betty runs, and Betty's the the Tuesday job or whatever. Um, Sounds like my kind of sysadmin. dude. I, yeah, that's actually. I'm I'm kind of want to be this guy. I'm creating a character that I want to be. Um, Tim Bone, Tim Bone, the sysadmin, knowledgeable. Uh. So anyway, um, when Tim Bone leaves, leadership, leadership is. Uh, he, they're stuck, man. I don't know why, don't know why they would have gotten rid of Tim. <laughs> yeah, and they're stuck. They're stuck with all this stuff he created. Betty, Veronica. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's all it's all from uh, whatever. Um, was oh, HR involved with this? Uh, HR, HR was not involved. Um, oh, but that's well, that's another okay. thing too. You know, how do you deal with? You know, for example, in our company, when someone leaves, their access is instantly revoked to the network to anything on the network. Um, and that's done through oh, okay. an HR policy, yeah. but yeah. internally within the applications and in some, some, even sometimes external applications, you have to go in and fix all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of stuff you have to do, but then they knew a lot of stuff too, you know, generally, true. generally. So anyway, have you ever been in a situation before where you left and felt like, oh, they're screwed? Um, you know, I, I think I learned, uh, learned a long time ago that. I am replaceable. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't ever feel like someone can't do my job. Mm-hmm. Um, I am fairly confident that if I left tomorrow, there may be some short term pain, maybe, you know, just like for a couple of weeks. But for the most part, um, I, I, once they figured everything out or documented things, I think they would be OK. I found, I think it would be very hard for me to leave. I think anybody, honestly, I think we we sort of all get this sort of sense that we're more important than we tend mm-hmm. to be, tend to actually be. We're replaceable. I mean, I think like getting laid off a couple of years ago sort of reinforced that to me. Like if it was really that important, if I was really that important, they wouldn't have told me I didn't have a job unless I moved across the country. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> or Amy, same with Amy. You know, it's like uh, if, if if she was that important, they wouldn't have just like you know, handed her applications over to some team offshore or something. Uh, I, so I don't think that that's really the case. I, I think it's maybe a pain in the ass for the people that are doing the work, less of a pain in the ass for the leaders who aren't actually doing the work and just handing out those decisions from their corner office or something. Do you think that if you leave a company 
and you were a critical cog in the wheel of the uh, of the company. Like you were there, all the big meetings, helping with decisions, doing the you know doing the work on the ground, like writing code, whatever it is. And you leave, and it's like no big deal. If that's actually a measure of your success, rather than mm. rather than your your failure. It could go either way. It could be because you were very successful or because you didn't actually do anything to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you were just <laughs> so sitting I, I there like... I think it depends. Yeah. It depends on the situation. I also think it depends on the size of the team, right? If you're a team of... Like you're at a startup, a very small startup, and you've got five people, right? And you're the only designer. Then clearly the product manager won't be able to pick up your job. Or if you're, you know, the you're a back-end engineer and you're the only one and you leave, you know, the even the front-end engineer would probably have a hard time picking up the slack. So it all depends on the size of the team. But if you've got multiple front-end engineers, multiple back-end engineers, and one leaves, it might be hard for a little while while you find a replacement. But I think ultimately it's probably okay. I think the biggest thing, and maybe what you're getting at here, is that tribal knowledge that isn't recorded or documented anywhere. You know, those yeah. people that have been through 10 different changes, yeah. they have seen it all. They understand why decisions were made the way they are. They understand who was the one doing it, that person's temperament, why they, how they used to like to work, what, you know, what they preferred, what they didn't like to do, the, the techniques they used, the shortcuts they used, you know, and over time those people have left, but that one guy stays consistent and all that tribal knowledge is just in his head. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when they leave, you know, that's when you you kind of realize, like, wait, hold on. What the hell? What what was what was Joe doing that whole time? What was his name? <laughs> what you call him? Tim Bone. Tim Bone. <laughs> like, what was Tim Bone doing? Like, oh, my God, we don't have any of this documented, which I think is why, you know, at, at where we work, lean is a very big, important thing for our company. And one of the big things with lean is standard work. You know, and it's mm-hmm. not just standard operating procedure, which might, which is not as detailed as standard work. Standard work would actually be written almost where an idiot off the street could pick up a document and follow your process to do a thing. Now, not to say they're going to do it well, but they could at least follow the process and over time get better at it. So if you're talking about standing up a server, Mm-hmm. What is the exact like I open this thing, I see this screen, I click it's technical writing essentially, right? It's like yeah. you read through instruction manual on how to how to turn on, I don't know, like a remote control car. Most people would never need instructions for how to how to run a remote control car. I you would. turn it on, you turn on the remote, you turn on the car, you, you put the little trigger, you turn the knob, it moves left and right. But if you read the instruction manual, it's so detailed and so, you know, like a monkey could do it. And that's kind of the idea of standard work. So when you talk about creating processes, when you talk about entering system and entering data in databases, or you talk about running a workshop or creating a service blueprint, you know, it's or, or defining a feature. If there's standard work there, you always talk to this team. You always talk to this position, not person, but position. You always talk to the, you, you know, you always include the UX architect. You always include the, the systems architect. You always include the product manager. You always include a stakeholder in these conversations, right? Or there's this step or process or something like that. I think that's how you keep Timbone leaving from being a disaster. If, you know, something tells me Timbone wouldn't document his work very well. I don't know why. But, uh, you know, if if there is a guy like Timbone and Timbone documents everything they do and what Betty and Big, what are they? 
Veronica. Vicky and Susie, whatever they were. Uh, all of those things that they're running and why they're being run and when they're run and what, what actions are happening as they're running and what's the outcome and what's the input, what's the output, all those things. Then him leaving wouldn't be that big of a deal because in the short term, somebody could pick up his, his work and, and maybe do it and maybe take longer because I'm sure that person was faster and more efficient. But they could still do it and at least have an understanding of how to do it. Yeah. So I think that's like a big thing. It's very hard for people to do that because documenting is the last thing you're thinking about. You know, yeah. you got all these other things to do. Yeah. Um, first off, do you know the one man who uh, doesn't need a manual for an RC car? Who? First of all, Tim Bone. But also, <laughs> Tim Bone's good friend, Tommy B. Oh, Tommy down in Greenville, oh, South Oh, Tommy B. <laughs> Me and Tommy, we run them RC cars on the weekend. I got a trouble once. Oh, got the motive. So uh, um, Derek is referring to one of the the main power users for an application that we used to build back in the day. And this guy Tommy, it's Greenville, South Carolina. On the weekends, he would hop in his car right after work and oh, drive on down to Myrtle Beach and mm-hmm. race RC cars. Yeah, he loved RC <laughs> Old cars. Tommy. This guy. Yeah. Good Anywho, um, you know Tommy uh, coined the bingo board. Oh, really? You remember that that, yeah, that, that yeah, yeah. feature that want, where you could select man the parts? Man just wants to press a button. I remember that. Man just wants <laughs> to press a button. That's right. That's all. That was Tommy's question. That was his thing. Oh man, what a genius! Man just wants to press a button. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like he was like a living Norman Rockwell painting. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that great. him another day. I like that guy. Um, a whole a whole episode about. We'll interview him. Oh, that would be fun. We could find. Anyway. Let's find Tommy. Tommy, yeah. what is he up? What is he up to today? I yeah, old Tommy. But when you talk about. Uh, making sure that when you leave, you leave behind some trail of what you did. I think it's it's more important than people make it out to be. Because while you're in the job, if you track what you do, the you today is probably going to be smarter than the you a year from now relate mm-hmm. in relation to that process. You're Hopefully. invested in it. And maybe you give it up. Maybe you stop doing it. So in a year from now, you're all set. I yeah, I love that idea. You know, it's funny because not funny, interesting because you, Derek, may be one of the best documenters that I have ever come across <laughs> in my career in software. How dare you? Uh, you the way that you can just you know create a confluence page <laughs> on the fly and document, Derek, is a thing of beauty. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna I'm gonna just tell you that right now. So I don't know. Maybe you could give some tips on how to document, Derek, because I think uh, I think people should follow your advice, not just documenting, though, sharing the documentation. You're you're very good about that. Maybe you could talk about I'll Coach's t- Corner or something like that. Oh, oh I will. Because here's have a the little... thing. Here, yeah. Here's, I think, maybe what you're getting at. The pain of that knowledge transfer, or KT, as you may hear in the biz, the pain of the knowledge transfer isn't the act of doing the knowledge transfer. It's the rush it's the urgency because you only have a week left and we'll never see you again, right? But if yeah. you're doing that KT over time, it's much less painful. Yes. You know, and that way everybody understands what's going on. And then at the end, when you leave, they're like, oh, yeah, we remember all that. Have, have fun on your, you know, with your lottery winnings or whatever it was, <laughs> you know, because, uh, uh, you know, hopefully you're retiring and you're, you won the lottery. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. You know, I'd love to share a little bit of that with uh, with the audience here. Please so, do. Okay. Here's what I want you to do, dear listener. Imagine you're going into the office, because remember when we used to do that? Imagine you're going into the <laughs> office, and from the moment you get up 
to the moment you get to the office, imagine you had to write everything down that you did. Okay? Mm-hmm. Get up out of bed, brush my hair, comb my hat. I don't know how, how the song goes. Uh, some kind of Beatles thing. But then, you know, you brush your teeth, you do this thing, you do that thing, you make your breakfast. All right. Is this something you do every single day? Okay. Interesting. You do that every single day. It's a routine. It's your standard work for getting up, going to work. Once you get to work, there may be things that happen that seem ad hoc, seem like they're random, like they just always pop up. But pay attention to the frequency of the things that occur to you at work. Mm. Do you get asked to do server restarts? Do you get asked to do deployments? Do you get asked to look in the database for something? Exactly what are you looking for? Mm. How often does it occur? I consider there are two types of things that I like to document. One is events that occur because they're fascinating to me. They let you trace history and let you go back in time. What happened during the event? Creating a timeline for if an event occurs, an incident in 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 your system. I, w- I actually, yesterday, I coined this term, Jeremy. You're going to love this. You're going to love it. Okay, so first of all, our team started doing RCAs, or root cause analysis, when something mm-hmm. occurred. Okay. Because they had never done that before. It was always just really? like, okay. yeah, they, well, yeah, they, something would happen, and it would happen a week later, and they'd have to restart, research <laughs> it all like, from the beginning. That's all right. We'll fix it next time. Yeah, Sorry. so they'd restart, they'd laugh, restart the service each time or whatever, and restart it and restart it and restart it. And this happened for years. So we started doing these RCAs, but they would be like, the, the result would be like restarted the service, then realized something else was wrong. So it would be very shallow. Mm-hmm. And well, that's not a root cause, right? I mean, that's just like, well, yeah, it's not. When you say something else went wrong, that's, that means that exactly. it, to me, it so implies it was this, like it was that this, had nothing to do with the it thing. It was almost so like, not a root cause. like an executive summary without any detail and actually mm-hmm. not getting to the point. So I was like, what if, what if we coined a new term, a deep RCA, where we actually analyzed every little thing that happens down to the last drop, baby. Mm -hmm. Last drop. And I did an example where it was so many things we had to do to solve this problem. But when you look at it in order, you see, what the heck was that? Why did we Mm. do that? Why is that happening? Oh, my God, what is that? You can analyze what happened to see where deficiencies are in your process simply by documenting the events. And if you document the events and I leave, well, now you can go back and look at what we did, what I did. If I'm like the superstar or whatever, and I can always do everything right, trust me, I'm not. I just did what made sense at the time. Now, you may have to do something else. So that's one thing, events. The other thing is the normal recurring things that happen in your system. What are the normal recurring activities? You know, how often do... You get asked to do a new project. Mm-hmm. How does that go? Who's involved? What steps you do you kick take? Kick it off. What is the yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah? How often do you ask to do deployments? To shut down the system for patching? Like all those different things are very clearly step by step. What do you do? What servers do you log into? What credentials do you use? So that if you leave, someone else could just go do it. Right. Step by step, and you don't need to track those one by one. But it might be good to. We used to do every single deployment, we'd have a standard checklist, okay? And the goal was to get the checklist to be as few steps as possible. So Mm, if you have one step, 
you like you can get throw away the checklist. But if you have two, you have to keep it. That was the rule. So we got it down to like four steps, you know. What number did you start with? Or did you not have any? You didn't even have it documented at all. So oh, it know. probably started at like 20 or 30. Oh, God, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, because every time it was different. And so we realized, <laughs> right, okay, right, right. it's different. It's not different. It's different. And now these are the things that we tend to do the same. Oh, my God, why are we doing this different every time? So we build a little process in. Now we don't have to worry about that anymore. Then this thing, then this thing. Noting what you do and the, and the trends and the, the little the little pieces of your process that are actually outliers, those are things you need to lean out. Like they call it like lean. Those are things you need to actually like smooth and massage and clean because those are the pieces of the puzzle that are going to prickle you. They're going to prick you when you when you're prick, touching you the, when you're touching the process. So those are the part of the those are the those are the pricklies. Okay, the things that you consider to be unexpected activities or unexpected things that happen during normal process. For example, when we do deployments of our our code and our stuff, sometimes people will ask for a database change, but Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they ask for a database change right at the last second. They don't test it. We run it. It fails. It's always random. How do we make it so that that activity, run database, run any database thing, is always succeeds, never fails? Because it seems like a normal logical thing you'd want to do. I'm creating some new code. I might need a new database table, whatever, modify something. Yeah. You know, like this is, this is a solvable problem. And the only reason I know that, because I've solved it before. Because you test it yeah. out in an environment that has the same data. You copy the data over. You verify. You know, all that stuff. You can do that. Yeah. So Those we're, we're doing something similar on our team. So we are having what we're calling like a UX summit this uh, next month, a couple of weeks from now. Mm. And we have a bunch of people coming in from all over. And we're trying to establish the standard work, like I talked about, for how you interact with the UX team. So Great. part of the problem we have at our job is a lot of these little orgs are all treated like little fiefdoms, right? And everybody has their own money. Everybody has their own budget. Everybody has their own priorities. Everybody has their own teams that build stuff. And so as a shared resource like UX, the problem is that when we go and work with one team, they have a completely different expectation for how to work with UX than another team. So the things we deliver, they expect to be different or they might not expect anything or not want anything, right? So so we're trying to understand what that standard work is. When someone asks us to take on a new feature, what is the standard? Like, what do we do? What is the first thing we do? Who do we talk to? What, you know, who defines the metrics? Who defines the KPIs? Who defines outcomes? Who defines what success looks like to even know where to start? You know, and then from there, when we work with, you know, our architects have a certain way that we work with the stakeholders or even down to the interaction designers and how they work with the development teams and the rhythm that they work and stuff like that. And so we're trying to standardize that. It's very hard, though in a large organization, especially when you don't control the way other teams work, right? And so that's sort of like our challenge more than anything else is we can document and we can standardize, but if the other teams are not documenting and standardizing, uh, you know, it's very hard for us to work with the other teams and to have similar outcomes every time. So mm -hmm. what ends up happening generally is, you know, one team works with us and it's a great relationship and we get along really well and we have a really great outcome and users are happy and, you know, metrics are good and everything else. And then we work with another team and they, they shut us out. They don't involve us in decision making. They don't involve us in the problem solving piece. They just basically hand over a bunch of requirements and say, go make this pretty and then wonder why the output wasn't what they expected or the outcome wasn't what they expected or whatever metrics they established weren't met. Right. And they assume it's because UX didn't do their job or something. 
So it's very challenging. And, you know, I, I don't know. Certainly the, the, the challenge here, too, with standard work is, you know, we've seen this a lot, is when you try to get engineers to standardize how they do something, they all have their own opinions on what right is. Mm-hmm. And no one wants to use someone else's standard, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, and so I think it's really interesting to kind of think about. I'm sure from the lean perspective, you know, when you think about manufacturing at least, you know, there's a there's a very clear and proper and correct way to build an engine every time, right? It's less subjective. <laughs> when you talk right. about software, uh, it's way more subjective in that some people have opinions on what good or correct or proper or right is. And so that's challenging. But I think in the case of when we're talking about attrition, that's less important because really what you're trying to just do is understand what that person did. Maybe you change it after they leave, but at least you know what they did and you know how they did it and you know why they did it and you know what, you know, caveats there may have been or whatever, whatever the the conditions were. Uh, But you can at least at least survive without that manpower or or human capital for some amount of time to find a replacement. Ah, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's not about documenting and standardizing how other people do their job, I guess, is where I'm going with this. It's more about understanding how you do your job so that other people can understand it and maybe do it if they need to. Understanding how you do your job. How often do we sit down and analyze the work we do, the processes we follow, instead of just dealing with the next messy problem? I think that we get in trouble a lot of times because we think that every single problem needs a new solution, needs Mm -hmm. some novel way to solve it. Innovation is something we talk about a lot in our company. Well, Not really so much anymore, but we used to. Um, (laughs) And you talk about it on your teams. But being innovative is not doing something new one time. It is the realization that a change to some process improves some outcome. Some change improves an outcome. Every time I do this, I will now do this. Instead of this time this happens, we'll try this. That's an experiment. We never talk about experiments. We're always talking about innovation. Be innovative, innovative, innovative. You can't get to an innovation without an experiment. Without an experiment, right. And you can't make an innovation off of one event. An innovation occurs over time as you modify process. So that's that's relevant to me. Because when you're analyzing your process, you're writing down what you do. You're writing down how you do it. You can't innovate that without deeply understanding what you do and realizing you're not special. You're not special. You're not a snowflake. You're not. Everyone got to do it. Which is you know why I mean? you're replaceable. <laughs> right, right. You can pogo yeah. stick your way to the bathroom. You can hang from the ceilings. But guess what? <laughs> the end result's going to be the same between you and me. Yep, okay? You still look like a dummy. Yeah. Right, you still look like a dummy. Right, exactly. When you play basketball, I don't care if you slide around on the ground on a skateboard or jump 10 feet. If I can get the ball into the basket more times than you can, I win the game. Mm, How do you innovate your process to achieve a better outcome? That's true. You know, it's funny. When I was a kid, um, we went to go see the Harlem Globetrotters had like an exhibition game in New Orleans. And they played like a professional team and lost like so bad. (laughs) 
<laughs> like they lost by like 50 points. Yeah, um, they're not they're not built to win. But you know, it was entertaining. <laughs> they didn't have the outcome that I think most basketball teams have, but their out for their their outcome is 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 entertainment and a show. Yeah. Um so anyway. I wish that was my outcome at work. Like I, we don't have to get the software doesn't need to work. We just need to have, <laughs> need to it need to be fun. Yeah, need to be funny. Make it fun. Yeah. That's called uh that's called culture, Derek. Yeah. Culture club. Anyway, it is. those are my thoughts well, on all that stuff. I like it. I think that's good advice, Derek. So so document your stuff. Don't assume everyone knows how to do what you know how to do. Don't assume you're going to be there. Don't assume that your team is going to be there forever. I think plan as if somebody, hopefully you, will win the lottery and be gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With a very short notice. <laughs> yeah. And make it so that your team doesn't have to go through any pain. Even though you are replaceable, as I said, uh, there is some short-term uh, set of uh, pain that someone would have to go through picking up where you left off, even if after a few weeks you are fully replaced. Uh, don't don't leave your team in a lurch. I think that's a crappy thing to do. Um, but you know, let's assume you win the lottery and you're out. You know, be prepared, make a plan, um, make sure your team has a plan for when people on the team leave in a contingency. I think that's the, the best advice we could give. Yeah. Or Avery, if you're out there listening, just don't come in. Do you think he's listening? Yeah, he's listening. You think he listens? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's hey, a big Avery. fan. Yeah. How's it going, dude? Hey, bro. Good to, good yeah. to see you. Mm-hmm. All right, anyway. Derek. Is that it? That's all you got? I, I, I'm i spent. I'm spent, too. <laughs> That's a good one. So, what was I going to say? Oh, check us out on RetroTimePodcast.com. Get yourself some stickers, retrotimepodcast.com slash stickers. Derek, we were supposed to hang out in person today. Yeah. And I was hoping we could record some of those review jams, but uh, we'll have to postpone that for another week. So everybody that's been leaving those five-star reviews, we really do appreciate it. Please keep them coming. It helps us out way more than you know. Obviously, you get a free review jam, but we get uh, all the the algorithm stuff that comes along with more five-star reviews, and it helps other people find the show. So, uh, you know, do it because you want to help other people find the show and not so much because you want to review jam because they're taking a long time to get. <laughs> but <laughs> you'll get them at some point. Did I say the stickers already? RetroTimePodcast.com slash stickers. Jams. I'm out. I'm out, too. The one thing I want to say is uh, I know people are really clamoring. Uh, there are people that clamored twice on this podcast. They clamored earlier from a basketball update. Now they're clamoring again um, <laughs> to hear Conan Gray. So oh, when when I snap my fingers, Conan Gray is going to play. But if I play Conan Gray, we might get uh, copyright striked on one of our services. Uh, so yeah. I'm going to adjust it with effects. Could you just sing so that it? You, what if you so just that you, sing it? Oh, I, oh sing I, I'm going to have more fun just uh, <laughs> just messing with the the audio. So I'm going to add all kinds of effects to it. So you won't even it won't even sound. Uh, but so when I snap my fingers, Conan Gray is going to start. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. One, two. Let me just set the scene. I just left the party at Blake's and it's Halloween. Had the keys in my car in my hand, but I didn't leave. Cause the potential of us who was keeping me up all night long. All of the texts you won't read all night long. This could be a disaster. There's so many factors. Like, what if you freak out and then we're losing it all? Well, it was fun. <laughs> oh, scared. scared Sorry. Me. All right, continue. We'll cut that all part right. out. Oh, God. Oh, it's Conan O'Gray? Conan Gray? Yeah.
Yeah. He looks like an asshole. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, um, how did my bands not make it, Derek? How did my bands never become famous? I don't understand. This is sad. <laughs>